0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network.
2: All right, here we go. It is the Sunday spread, week six already. We've already made it on to week six of this NFL season. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Of course, you can hit us up at BetQL app on Twitter. Thanks to those watching on Twitch twitch.tv slash BetQL. We'll get you our pick six coming up in the next segment. And we always end the show, Grant, with the Hail Mary. And last week, finally, the prayers were answered for you. A big hit on the Hail Mary.
0: Absolutely. I don't know how or why. Devontae Adams, who's the best wide receiver in football, being the leader for receiving yards last week was at plus 1,400, but I scooped that, and he went for two bills. So I feel great about that. I mean, it takes hitting one or two of those a year, and you are in the big-time money, right? So that makes up for basically 13 or more misses if you're betting the same thing every single week. So... Plus 1400. We will take that. That's a win. And uh, I'm Jameis Winston, man. I chucked the ball up into the (laughs) afternoon sky and none of the defensive players decided to jump up and tip the ball away. So I got myself a touchdown.
2: Yeah, man. We got at least one on the board. Hopefully that means a couple more Hail Marys at some point are going to happen this year. I believe last week we're, we're pretty neck and neck against the spread. And on the prop bed so far, we're within uh, what a game of each other on the spread it looks like as well. So we're uh, we're we're getting there. You're you're a game back on the spread, but you are what tied with me on the props. And then we've got our uh, pick'em contest that I referenced last week. And guess who has the top two spots in
0: our, our pick'em contest that we're doing here for for Odyssey as well? I believe that's you and me. Let's go! Absolutely, one and two in the company. So we got uh, we got to keep chopping wood. It's early in the season, but I like where we're at. No doubt. It's been an interesting week for you in
2: D.C., where, of course, you host uh, local radio as well and all this fallout, what's going on, not with the football team itself on the field, but everything around it and these emails from John Gruden. And on the football end, what, what do you think this means for the Raiders? This was a team that was in a great spot prior to everything. They were 3-0. and They lose a tough Monday night football game to the Chargers. or three 3-1. You're feeling, okay, that's no problem, not a bad loss by any means. They lose to the Bears, John Gruden was allowed to coach in that game. We all know since then, the emails, uh, more and more emails came out. He ends up resigning uh, on uh, Monday night, right during Monday Night Football. They're 3-2, Grant, and now you've got an interim head coach. You wonder what that means. Do you think this derails the the Raiders' season, or can they recover essentially this week in a big-time game?
0: Well, I think it's going to damage their season for sure. I mean, John Gruden wasn't just their head coach, which he was. He was also kind of their offensive designer and play caller, and he was heavily involved in everything they did on the side of the football, where at times this year, they've been fantastic. On top of that, you're now going to a special teams coordinator as your interim head coach who's got very little experience with what he's going to be doing as he multitasks the rest of the year. And, And then you just have turmoil, right? You have controversy, you have distraction, you have tough questions being asked of players who don't deserve or shouldn't have to deal with the questions. So I do think, over the span of the next couple of months, this will be a massive net negative. Obviously. I think if a coach leaves amid controversy in season, that's always going to be the case. I don't necessarily buy the idea that like for this weekend, they're dead in the water. Uh, I say that because a lot of times you see some of these reactions where a team gets inspired or, you know, just goes out and decides they're going to forget about everything that happened and just play loose or, get a little dead cat bounce sometimes after a coach gets fired, things like that. So I think this week against Denver in the division, you know, they're underdogs as it is. I think that's kind of the, a nice situation for them to possibly impress. But to me, this is more of a long game thing uh, when you talk about it being a tough situation and I think by the end of the year it'll rear its head is really having been a detriment
2: yeah it just has to and you know the relationship that Derek Carr and John Gruden eventually were able to develop as well and you're right I mean that was a unique locker room to begin with let's just be honest about the situation I mean that was also a, a team that that features the the only openly gay player in the National Football League in, in Carl Nassib and then you have those comments from John Gruden you're right and unfortunately for Carl Nassib he's put in a, in a spot where you know, he's got to answer questions. I know he took a personal day this week. You just wonder how all of that impacts the team long-term. And maybe to your point for this week, does it bring the locker room closer? Can they rally around that as a team, just as a group and say, you know, essentially let's, let's ignore what, what was going on from that, that head coach of ours and let's go just win some football games. And I think they have a chance to win. I actually like them this week. Uh, We'll get, we'll go around the league. I actually like them plus four and a half uh, on the road against the Denver Broncos. And nobody's, uh, I guess, more pleased with all this stuff going on uh, in terms of distraction than Urban Meyer. It was just a week ago we were talking still about Urban Meyer. Uh, everybody's forgot about the Urban Meyer mess, and they're in London. Let's, let's go around the league, and let's start right there because Trevor Lawrence leaving the country for the first time. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been out of the country either. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Do you perform better when it's your first trip out of the country? I'm not sure. They need something to go right for them. The Dolphins minus three against the Jags, another 9.30 in the morning Eastern time kickoff in London. The total at 47 it looks like Tua who's been out for three weeks with those fractured ribs is is going to return to play in this game we know the Jags have lost 20 consecutive games which is the longest or second longest skid in the NFL I think it ends it ends this week Grant Trevor Lawrence gets his first NFL win. Avian Howard's out Devontae Parker's out I like the Jags to surprise some people and get a win here I'll take them minus or plus the three points against the Dolphins
0: Yeah, I actually really like Jacksonville in this spot as well. The reason I'm not going to end up betting it and hedging is because it seems like everybody I talk to likes Jacksonville. And when that starts to happen, maybe we're all in this thing together and we're all going to be wrong. But it does seem like the perfect opportunity for the Jags to get that win. Uh, Let's go to a game you and I will have to put a little mini wager on this week. And that is your Kansas City Chiefs, where you're based out of, and the team that I cover here in D.C., the Washington football team. The Chiefs are six-and-a-half-point favorites. The total in this game is 54-and-a-half, and I would hammer. The over in this game, these are two really bad defenses that haven't stopped anybody this year. And while Washington's offense is not nearly as elite as Kansas City's, you know, they went into last week a top-ten unit moving the football. Taylor Heineke has had two really good games against bad defenses, two really bad games against good defenses. But this is a get-right opportunity for him, for Terry McLaurin, who's questionable with a hamstring. I anticipate him playing. So as you're going to find out when we get to our Sunday studs portion of the show, I mean, I'm going heavy on some over props in this game. I think the ball's going to be moving down the field for both teams, and a lot of points are going to be scored, and the Chiefs ultimately will pull away.
2: And not a bad idea on the props. I mean, you're right. These defenses are atrocious. The Chiefs are on historically bad pace right now. Chris Jones is already ruled out for this game. The Chiefs defensive end, despite having a disappointing season from him, he's still their best defensive player. He's unavailable. Their number two corner, Charvarius Ward, unavailable out for this game. Their linebacker, Anthony Hitchens, questionable. I think he will play in this game on Sunday. But, yes, points, points, and more points. And it's weird. You know, I think both fan bases can look at this and say, oh, it's if, you, if you're the Washington offense, it's a get-right game against the Chiefs defense. Uh, but in, in a weird way, the, the Chiefs fan base looking at this is not that that get right opportunity necessarily for the, the Chiefs. It's more of a uh, if you want to have any chance of, of belief that this thing can turn around at all, you, you, you can't even let this thing be close against the Washington football team. I mean, there, there, there's no excuse for that. The next three games for, for Kansas City, hopefully, to stabilize some things. We'll talk more about this, as you mentioned, during your Sunday studs. Next up, we stay in the NFC East. We go up to New York. The New York Giants hosting the Los Angeles Rams, the second-best team, or record-wise, I should say, in the NFC. The Rams minus 7.5. The total, 48.5. And, and somehow, Daniel Jones is actually going to play in this game, it looks like, which is, I mean, considering the hit he took in that, that Dallas game, is remarkable. The one surprising thing about the Rams and and the, and the reason why I I'm, I'm staying away from this game on the, the the hook scares me a little bit. The Rams is talented as they have how much talent they have on defense. They're 23rd in in passing defense, which I think would stun a lot of people considering they have Jalen Ramsey considering Aaron Donalds in the mix here. I I think this is one of those where the Giants uh, are still too banged up to to keep it very close, but I that's that hook scares me. Maybe this is a teaser opportunity with the Rams to tease this thing down a little bit.
0: Very possible. Absolutely. And the fact that Daniel Jones plays, assuming he can be anything like he has early this season and and is moderately healthy. uh, He's going to play fine because he's been really good this season and and he's going to keep them in the game. So that's a whole different ballgame. A lot of times, though, I will say when you have a quarterback who's a surprise play. They don't often finish the game and or aren't themselves. And so I always kind of think that's an opportunity to steal what should be another point or two that the odds makers might not account for because they think a guy's back in the game and you just don't know, well, are they completely themselves? So uh, the Chargers in seven and a half seems like a good play just because you would think he's still not going to be all the way back. Uh, The Texans are getting 10 points. They are in Indianapolis against the Colts. AFC South tilt here totals 43 and a half. Colts coming off of a game in which it looked like they had beat the Baltimore Ravens. They had played their best game arguably of the season. Uh, Carson Wentz has been very sharp and has protected the football. And then Lamar Jackson went into the phone booth and put his cape on and came back out and started flying around. And the Ravens on Monday Night Football somehow came back from down 16 to beat the Colts. Uh, this is now Indianapolis' season at this point. Uh, they lose. It's kind of curtains, and it's over. And I know the division's not particularly good. But at some point, you're in week six, you can't have a win, essentially. Uh, and you can't be you know hovering around the sub-500 record that they are. Not to mention it's a game you got to have. And I want to apologize to Davis Mills. Last week on this show, I said Davis (laughs) Mills might be the worst quarterback who started a game in the NFL in years. Uh, He went out and he looked pretty good against New England. And he somehow overcame the Belichick rookie curse and and played a pretty sharp football game. Now they lost because they're bad, but I thought Davis Mills uh, did some good things and gives me a little bit more hope that he can cover a number like plus 10 this week.
2: You're telling me about the Davis Mills part. I had a prop bet last week on this show I handed out. It was Davis Mills, if you remember, under 189 and a half passing yards. The guy hadn't thrown anywhere near that all year. He gets over 200 yards in the first half against Bill Belichick. Just a reminder of why we think we can, we can predict and sometimes, you know what, that the NFL still can be very, very unpredictable. Good for Davis Mills uh, on that one, no doubt about that. Next up, how about we, we go over to Detroit. Dan Campbell and those Lions, three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home to Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Bengals, the total at 47. Dan Campbell emotional after the loss last week, some brutal losses. I mean, they have had some tough luck. I guess that is uh, what, what the story has been for years and years and years in Detroit. Jared Goff just has no chance for success right now. He's throwing the guys off the street to begin the season for the most part. And now I really think Grant is suiting up for this game to catch some footballs. I mean, it is. Ter- they have no wide receivers there in Detroit. I love Cincinnati in this game. I, I give Detroit and Dan Campbell credit for hanging tough. They certainly have not been given up, but man, at some point you, you just don't have the weapons and it's gotten even worse from where it was week one.
0: Yeah. It's ugly for them right now. I, you know, last week he was extremely emotional and that's not linear, but if, if he, if it keeps going, he'll be more emotional this week. Cause I don't like them <laughs> in this matchup right. at L at all either. Uh, but yeah, they've been close. They're playing hard. And as a coach, I think you do feel bad for your guys. Honestly, you feel like they've earned it. And at some point something good should happen. So uh, he's growing on me. I will say that. I really believe that as a head coach, he's got an opportunity to be really good in this league. Cause I think his players are going to enjoy playing for him. And look what Detroit could... has
2: done for him, Grant. I yeah. mean, he went from talking about biting off kneecaps to, to crying after games. This Detroit does this kind of stuff to people.
0: It absolutely does. I think he still wants to bite those kneecaps uh, <laughs> right. for the record though. Let's stay in that division in the NFC North. The Packers are in Chicago to take on the Bears at Soldier Field. Green Bay is minus six in this game, favorite in a game with a total of 44. I don't love this number or this game, I'll be honest, just because the Bears' defense is pretty good. Now, their offense is horrific. They're dead last this year, 240 yards per game, 4.1 yards per play. They can't throw the football at all. 113 yards per game looks like something from 1953, and about 4.6 yards per play. You know, Justin Fields is young and he's learning, but it's just not good right now. I mean, he, he makes two or three throws a week that make you think he's got a shot to be something. But you can't keep up with Aaron Rodgers if they're able to move the ball. The hope they have is that they've got the number eight defense in the league, 13th in yards per play. And they've done a pretty good job of getting to the quarterback this year. They're number one in the league in sacks per pass attempt. They sacked the quarterback about 11% of the, uh, on 11% of dropbacks. Uh, their interception rate is also top 12. So... If they're going to stay close to this number, which I think they might be able to, they need a couple takeaways and they need four or five sacks on some third downs to end some drives. Um, th- this That's the formula. But I just—I don't see them able to move the ball enough, and that's why Green Bay is enticing at that minus six, even though I'm going to stay off of it.
2: You know, the Bears down to their third string running back. We already knew about David Montgomery, who's out for a couple weeks, and then Damian Williams, who had stepped in, uh, out with COVID, and then now it's down to Khalil Herbert. Uh, what the, the the rookie running back out of Virginia Tech. Uh, next I'd one rather is have Justin
0: Herbert yeah, than Khalil Herbert. Y- yeah, you
2: think? Yeah. Hey, Khalil Herbert. He went to Vod Tech, but he spent a year or so at Kansas. So he's a Kansas great. Uh, Khalil Herbert playing in this uh, playing in this game. Uh, Minnesota minus two and a half at Carolina. The total at forty five and a half points. Minnesota Vikings. We've talked a lot about them when we've done this, and it's kind of the same conversation the last five weeks or so. I do think they are better than their record. Carolina. Slipping up a little bit here, Sam Darnold is reverting back to New York Jets. Sam Darnold a little bit here, if you look at some of the the stat line for him, and Christian McCaffrey is already ruled out for this game. I think that spells trouble for Carolina. I like Minnesota in this game. Unfortunately for Carolina, that that defense that had carried them a little bit is going to have to come up with a big-time performance today. I know there's some injuries for the Vikings wide receiver core as well, but this is a scary spot for Carolina.
0: Yeah, it is. If Phelan and Jefferson aren't able to be themselves, though, I don't really know where any kind of chunk yardage production comes from in this offense. I mean, Tyler Conklin, the tight end, has done an okay job filling in for Kyle Rudolph, but they haven't really replaced Irv Smith's vertical ability to stretch the field. Uh, they've got an okay wide receiver court behind those two guys, but it's just not the same with Osborne and, and D.D. Westbrook. So those injuries are starting to pile up, but you're right. You need Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter to get home against Sam Darnold if the Vikings are going to cover this minus two and a half.
2: This is the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold coming up next here on BetQL, It's our pick six. We hand out our favorite plays of the week.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
2: All right, well, we got to figure out at some point before we get off the air today on a Sunday spread, Grant and I have to have some sort of wager on the side with uh, the Washington football team taking on the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. So we're uh, open to ideas, by the way. Any ideas that you have? Uh, we, we've, we've both done some, some jumping through tables in the past. I don't know if we just want to do a little money wager, At some point, I know we want to. We can put some barbecue on it. If if I got to send you some barbecue, I don't know what you have to send my way food wise. I don't even what honestly what what's DC
0: known for food wise? I really don't know. So we do wings in what's called uh, Mumbo sauce is a big thing here. The other thing, I would say that yeah, what would be interesting would be um, Ben's Chili Bowl is an iconic like a hot dog Mm -hmm. uh, place. So maybe I, I don't know what kind of travel that does, but there's got to be a way to pack something in some ice and get it your way, something like that. Yeah, at some point, I don't know. I think by the end of the season, either way, I think I, I got to send some KC barbecue your way
2: anyway, just to, to begin with, uh, for for dealing with me on a weekly basis here. It is the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gould. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll get to our Sunday studs coming up in just a little bit, but it is time for our favorite plays of the week. Let's get to the pick six. The pick six. All right, I'll start things off here. How about the Los Angeles Chargers who were in in a shootout last week against the Cleveland Browns? They're plus two-and-a-half, two-and-a-half dogs on the road at Baltimore. We referenced the Ravens' comeback win on Monday Night Football. Lamar Jackson put in an all-time type of Monday Night Football performance. The Chargers' offense last week, 500 yards, 47 points. Quick strike offense, too, because it wasn't as if they were long – Drawn out possessions. Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen—you name it—they were able to put up points in a hurry. I can't wait for this game because it is Justin Herbert against Lamar Jackson, a guy that won, of course, an MVP a couple years ago. Justin Herbert, one of the front runners right now, fourth or fifth best odds to be this year's MVP. As a matter of fact, I cannot wait. And I think the wrong team is favored. I know it's on—they're on the road. I think the wrong team is favored here. I like the Chargers plus two and a half. The Ravens, to their credit, have found ways to win. But, man, have they had some good fortune. Record-setting kickoff off the crossbar. The fumble in the win against the Chiefs on a final drive. The Ravens, of course, come back on Monday night. Like, I just look at the Baltimore. They, to their credit, and John Harbaugh have found ways to win. But they're not the better team in this game. I like the Chargers.
0: I don't think they're the better team either. But I could say that about a couple of the games they've won, as we've talked about so far this season already. Uh, I'm staying away from that game, frankly, because I'm tired of losing bets and betting against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson at this point, even though I do really like the Chargers. Uh, What I love about this is it's the two most progressive teams in the league. It's the two teams that go for the most fourth downs and really think of things in a way that a lot of teams still don't. So I I dig that that's your matchup. Uh, I'm fascinated to see Brandon Staley's defense, which prides itself on not giving up throws over the top. A Baltimore offense, which throws the ball downfield more than anybody. Lamar Jackson, like 11 yards on average. A dot this year downfield, pretty crazy. So nice juxtaposition there in this matchup. Uh, I'm going to start with the game you just referenced between the two teams that we cover. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to roll in Washington. For people that are outside of D.C., a lot of turmoil this week. More emails were leaked from Bruce Allen a couple different times. The old team president. Now, that in and of itself is not a major distraction, but there's just a ton going on. You had Ron Rivera getting really surly with reporters, even though they're only two and three when they were asking about this bad defense this week. You had the team's facility raided by the DEA about a week ago at this point, and there's still an ongoing investigation into that. And then late this week, the team announced that one of their most iconic and legendary and beloved players, Sean Taylor, who tragically died in his third year with the organization many years ago, uh, was going to have his jersey retired, number 21, and the fan base has been in revolt They're livid, they're angry, they're sad. The new team president, Jason Wright, had to send a big letter apologizing because they found out on Friday about this and a lot of people can't get tickets or are out of town or can't go and it was just a terribly handled situation. There's just been all kinds of things going on that have nothing to do with football. I think that all hurts when you're going up against a good Chiefs team. And oh, by the way, Washington's defense is terrible. Their coverage has been bad. They've given up big plays constantly. Last week, a 72-yard touchdown and a 49-yard touchdown to a fairly unexplosive Saints team. I shudder to think at what Kelsey, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill are going to do this week. So the Chiefs are going to roll. Give me them and minus seven.
2: Yeah, the, the only way I see Washington covers is, is some sort of a backdoor cover here. I think Kansas City does control much of the game. It could be similar to what the Chiefs had against Philadelphia, which was Jalen Hurts still putting up plenty of points. <clears throat> Excuse me, but really struggled overall to to stop Kansas City, which I expect to be the case, which is why what uh, we'll go ahead and go right to my next pick. It has to do with this game as well. It is the total in this one, Grant. It's Washington and Kansas City over fifty-four and a half points. The Chiefs are giving up an average of seven point one yards per play. I mean that is historically bad. This isn't you know just a dead beat defense right now. I mean this is historically bad. Chris Jones is out the team's number two corner Charvarius Ward is out uh, yeah Kansas City's offense is, is scoring over 30 points a game but I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Heineke is able to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns at least against this Kansas City defense just because they cannot stop anybody I don't care who the quarterback is and especially if you're telling me that you believe Terry McLaurin is available then, then I, I don't see Washington having much of an issue
0: putting up some points yeah I think there will be a ton of points scored in this game I think that's a nice prediction. Uh, I'll go next with my most comfortable pick of the week, oddly enough, and that's the Bengals minus three and a half at Detroit. Uh, you've met reference to the injuries to the Lions offense. I just, I'm not sure where their chunk yards, where their big plays are going to come from. Now, they play teams frisky. They've been in a couple of games we didn't necessarily anticipate them being in as this season has gone along, and maybe that plays out again to some extent this week, but. I think the Bengals are good, and I think if not for some missed kicks, they'd be getting that attention all week long, having just beat Green Bay, and, and they'd be right where they want to be at the top of the standings in their division. So I think they bounce back from a weird loss where they should have won the game <laughs> in regulation, in overtime, and weren't able to, and I think they handled the Lions by a touchdown or so.
2: There's no way, right, kickers can can have as poor a performance this week as they did a week ago with extra points <laughs> and that bizarre finish. Like there, There's got to be some correction here. I think we saw that with some of the totals even this week. I think you saw the bookmakers kind of adjust and some of these lines were maybe a little bit uh, – totals, I should say, were a little bit lower than we would have expected because they're accounting for more of these missed extra points, and maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction. That's something to follow just this week to see how that goes. Uh, my last one on the pick six – It's the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday night football taking on Seattle. Their four and a half point favorites are the Steelers here. Russell Wilson and Chris Carson placed on IR. We saw Geno Smith try to do his best there uh, last week filling in for Russell Wilson, and and he looked good at, at certain points, but come on now. It's Geno Smith. It's Alex Collins time in Seattle. Their defense flat out stinks. They're allowing 450 yards or more in four straight games. I know the Steelers and Big Ben looks old and has problems there. But that defense is still a massive issue for opposing offenses. I love Pittsburgh in this spot here to win their second straight game.
0: Yeah, they're going to win this game, and I think they'll win going away. This was actually my third pick as well, so we're seeing this thing pretty similarly. The only reason I can really come up with as to why this line is so short, you referenced the four and a half, is I guess that the Steelers' offense is so bad, odds makers just don't think they'll be able to bury the Seahawks in Geno. But it's one thing to come off the bench and make a couple throws in that, you know, let's go play high school football and run around and make a play or two mode. When you're starting a game and a team's prepared for you all week, it's a whole different world. And this is, when T.J. Watt plays, a really, really good Steelers defense. When they've had injuries, they've still been kind of fine and they'd be good enough, I think, with the injuries to Seattle to hold them to the teens in points. So the question is, will Pittsburgh's offense, which is bad, 27th in the NFL, look at the passing yards this season. They're 18th overall, but they're 25th in yards per play. We've talked about Ben Roethlisberger on this show. I think he's broken. They still have weapons, though. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, even without Juju Smith-Schuster. Deep wide receiver score, you're going to elevate James Washington now to a bigger role. Uh, I feel like Pittsburgh has enough firepower, even if the odds makers don't agree, to, to really absolutely dominate this game I think four and a half is like three points short I'll be honest with you yeah I I don't see how Seattle's gonna move the ball or score very often uh, in
2: this the, game. the total the total in this game was also interesting grand it opened at 48 and it's gone down to 42 42 and a half in some places I mean people hit this thing hard when it opened up on on Monday because of what you' were saying yeah I mean big time now at 42 I don't really want to touch it uh, but at 48 Everybody had the same idea. Way too, It seemed like way too many points there. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Of course, it is Sunday night football. Those are our pick six favorite plays heading into week six. It's the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold here on BetQL. How about our studs for the week? Let's get to them right now.
1: The Sunday spread presents the Sunday studs.
2: All right, I want to go back to that Baltimore Ravens game against the Los Angeles Chargers, the showdown between Herbert and Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to give you a Lamar Jackson prop. How about rushing yards for him? Over 67 and a half yards. It's minus 130. A little bit of juice there. The Chargers' rush defense is horrendous. Lamar's going to have 10-plus rushes in this game. Uh, He's gone over this number twice this year. He was five yards away from doing it a third time this year. Lamar Jackson is playing uh, on a whole new level so far the last couple of weeks. Monday Night Football performance, I think he follows it up. He knows he has to carry this offense right now. No Sammy Watkins, but it looks like Rashad Bateman is going to be back and available for the first time, really, for this football team. I like this uh, this number here. Lamar Jackson, in a game that could end up being a shootout, you're telling me he's not going to have multiple 10-plus yard, plus yard scrambles in this game. We know he's going to get the carry. So I, I like Lamar Jackson a lot on this prop bet.
0: Yeah, that's smart. I think it makes sense because, you know, you could have both teams scoring, as you're saying, into the the mid to high 30s. I don't think it's going to be quite Chargers-Browns of last week where both teams were in the 40s, but it's going to be closer to that than a low-scoring slugfest defensively. I'm going to double dip here with a little mini stack for you, so I'll give you two at once. I've got Mahomes over 312.5 passing yards with Kelsey over 84.5 receiving yards. I have no idea who on Washington's defense is going to try to defend Travis Kelsey they have had problems with tight ends they've had problems with slot receivers their linebacking core really struggles in coverage the guy that did a lot of that and wasn't doing it as well as they would have liked John Bostic is out for the year at linebacker they promoted some linebackers from the practice squad and elevated them from bench rolls to play more at this point their rookie 19th overall pick Jamin Davis who they drafted the cover doesn't really get asked to do that because he doesn't seem ready for the bright lights they play this Buffalo package they talk about where they've got three safeties but Among those safeties are Landon Collins, who has had a real hard time covering anybody. You want him in the box playing the run. And Bobby McCain, who Miami moved on from from last year, who's also been on the wrong end of some big plays. So I just don't see a personnel group that allows to cover Travis Kelsey. I think without Clyde edwards E'Laire, the Chiefs get back to doing what they do best, and they throw the football a ton in this game. So I'll say he goes for well over 312, and Kelsey is well over 100. So 84.5 is a good number there.
2: I guess we're, we're we're staying with this game, Grant, because of the, the idea. We think the total here is obviously uh, ripe for the picking. And I'll, and I think I'll it's go a better paradise, there.
0: man. I, yeah. I, is the punter going to be used in this game? I mean, that's kind of the question.
2: Well, the way that the Chiefs' offense has gone, they're, they're not punting because either their offense is scoring or they're, they're turning the ball over because they've turned it over 11 times. So I'm I'm with, I'm with you there. How about any time touchdown score? Jarek McKinnon, plus 240. I like this here. As you referenced, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out. So it's Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon as the two running backs in this game and McKinnon last week, the production wasn't there, but he received a season high uh, 32% or so share of, of the touches out of the running backs last week on offensive snaps. And so now Clyde's out of the picture and you had a week to game plan, knowing that Jarek McKinnon can be more involved. So I like an idea here that Jarek McKinnon gets a, gets a touchdown most likely receiving because the runner should be Daryl Williams, but I could see a, jarek mckinnon receiving touchdowns especially with some creativity near the goal line from andy reed so keep an eye on that i like the
0: value at plus uh what did i say plus 240 there for jarek mckinnon huge value wow that's impressive uh last one for me i mentioned the steelers and i think they're gonna put up a bunch of yards on the seahawks even though their offense isn't good this is like one of these things has to give the steelers offense is bad and the seahawks defense is terrible uh deontay johnson over 63 and a half receiving yards uh, he caught a 50-yard touchdown last week. He's an explosive player. I think he gets behind this defense at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits the century mark, but I think in that 70 or 80 range, pretty comfortably. The offense is now him and Claypool. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster's not taking those underneath targets anymore. So uh, I'll take the over on 63 and a half for Deontay Johnson.
2: Yeah, uh, you and I, man, we're we're thinking the same here today. I got Claypool over 60 and a half receiving yards. So I. Different wide receiver, but I think with Juju out of the mix, to your point about that, less worry about targets. Seattle's secondary is horrendous, and, and Claypool has gone over that 60.5 receiving yards uh, the last four weeks, the other other than the week one game, which is surprising because they won that game against Buffalo, uh, but that's a number that Chase Claypool has been able to hit, and I expect that to be the case. So you and I, either we're, we're both going to be a right uh, quite a bit this week, or, or we're both going to be... Uh, <laughs> look in our wounds because we're we're in the same thought process on quite a few of these games, even if there are some different players, but with how we see the, the, the game going for the most part.
0: Yeah. And I think oftentimes what you're looking for when you're putting bets down on games is really bad defenses to take advantage of. I mean, that's kind of philosophically how I do this anyway, particularly with player props, like where are secondaries getting gashed where are chunk yardage plays generally. And, I think what we're zoning in on is Kansas City's defense, Washington's defense, Seattle's defense, some of the worst in the league against some big-time explosive playmakers and some offenses that have been pretty good. Uh, So I think that's kind of how we arrived at that conclusion. Uh, At the same time, while working uh, on our homework assignments in different rooms.
2: (laughs) All right, that's exactly right. Those are our Sunday studs. Coming up next here on the Sunday Spread our spotlight games of the week. How about those Chargers take on the Ravens, Arizona, and Cleveland, and a Monday night game involving Buffalo and those Tennessee Titans.
1: Welcome back to the Sunday
2: Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Well, we'll see if Grant's got another winning Hail Mary for us coming up in just a little bit. Uh, he is on the board with that Hail Mary last week. I've got one, uh, I think, overall has a little bit better chance of hitting. I'm going, I'm going away from the combination of five players needing 350 yards or whatever it has been the last couple of weeks. So we're we're going we're gonna to try to match Grant's Hail Mary coming up in just a little bit. Uh, also, with the game being in London, does that mean are we how far away are we from from these London games also getting a Nickelodeon broadcast? Are we getting close? Because I know at some point in the playoffs they'll give us a, a Nickelodeon broadcast. They might as well do that for London games too. Because I know uh, you you enjoy the the pancakes and everything in the morning for London games, but I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not going with
0: the full spread for these. They're not worthy. Eggs, bacon, and football, and yeah, we do need Nickelodeon broadcasts for these. Why not a little MVP? I think they called it. The greatest honor yeah, Mitchell in Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky's career. It's like, yeah, you're no longer a starter, and it's been a real struggle, and it's fairly awful uh, existence for him getting beat up by the media in Chicago, but at least he got to take his MVP award with him to Buffalo.
2: He did. That That he did. Uh, we'll see if Nate Burleson's got a little Nickelodeon broadcast later on this, this season or something like that. All right, three spotlight games to look at in uh, this slate, and we start with the game we've referenced for some of our prop bets a little bit. It's a showdown between Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. The Chargers plus two and a half on the road in Baltimore. The total at 51 and a half. I mean, this this is no doubt the best quarterback matchup of the week, and it's not close. One of the better ones we'll see all season. Justin Herbert continues to impress, and they found a way to win in a shootout against Cleveland last week. This one's interesting on the, the end for the Ravens because I think you hit on it where I said, hey, look, Baltimore has – uh, skated by they're not the better team and, and you made the point and you're right look they, they haven't been the better team in a lot of these games but they found ways to win I just I just think the Chargers are on a different level certainly than the Colts right than the Colts were last week I expect Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley to, to take care of business here on the road and put the Chargers in, in an even better spot in the AFC West they uh, can, cannot afford also to lose games against opponents like this based off of the fact that the Chiefs schedule does ease up here a little bit over the next three weeks, including this week against Washington. So I think the Chargers are no no still, if they want to not allow the Chiefs to have any hope still of win that division, these these are big time games for them to be able to win because I believe this, other than Kansas City, is the toughest remaining game really on this
0: Chargers schedule. Well, and on top of that, from a betting standpoint, for people listening to us here on BetQL, this is an MVP matchup. I mean, the odds get reshuffled pretty heavily probably yeah. after this week in that for my money right now, I think Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league. You look at what he's done. If you were going to slot him in among 32 teams, his yards that he's gained throwing and rushing, he'd be number 14 among the 32 teams in yards this season. <laughs> I saw just a crazy stat this yeah. week. Uh, but if you look at their offense, they're number one. They average about 441 yards per game, and they're number two in yards per play, right around 6.6 yards per play. And I think this Chargers defense, will do a really good job against Baltimore. The reason is, I mentioned it earlier, the matchup is really fortuitous, I think, for a Brandon Staley coach team. What they try to do, and this is what analytical smart teams try to do, so it's not surprising that Staley's Chargers do this, I'm not going to give you the deep ball. You're not going to score over top of me. You will not get an easy 75, 80-yard touchdown. Now, last week, they gave one of those up on a catch-and-run to Njoku. I'm sure Staley was furious, but what I'm talking about is You know, the post where everyone uh, defensively is is chasing a wide receiver that's behind them. They just don't do that, and they're going to make you earn it. You're going on 11, 12, 13-play drives. They're going to basically have a light box and dare you to run the football. Now, for Baltimore, you would think that's going to be something that they can do, but those drives are going to take double-digit plays, and you're going to commit a penalty and get behind the sticks, or you're going to turn the ball over. That's what they're counting on. I think that's a smart way to defend now. You're seeing it more and more in this league. And that's what I like about this matchup. But if Jackson is my MVP, Herbert's in my top five right now. And so let's say the Chargers win this game going away. Jackson turns the ball over a couple times, a la like a Heisman trophy matchup between two QBs, and Herbert plays really well, he will close the gap. You know, game does not make you know a change in my mind. I'm a sample size guy. But I think the gap sure. does change a little bit. At that point, the Chargers would be five and one and in a really good spot in the AFC to, to get where they want to go as one of the better teams in the conference. So huge game, not just for the two teams, obviously, but specifically, I think, for people with uh, any tickets on Jackson, on Herbert as an MVP.
2: Yeah, it could be a deciding factor later in the year for for voters. No, no question when they look back at a head to head. I know. We know how this works. They're not playing each other, right? And one's not on defense, one's not on offense, but it's just how we how we view these things. And I'm surprised that Lamar Jackson's still only 12-1 to 1 in, in some spots, despite what he did on Monday Night Football. And if you're looking at, you know, some of the qualifiers, whether you think it should be the case, yeah. if you're going to be an MVP, you got to win your division. And both the, the Chargers and Ravens, those divisions are still up for grabs by all means, and it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I think that's a huge deciding factor. And maybe why Lamar Jackson's odds aren't there. There's still some people perhaps that think the Browns can can win that division or will win that division, and they're looking at these margins of, of victory, and maybe that's what's hurting Lamar a little bit. But the, the numbers he's putting up have been just absolutely ridiculous. And to your point about how perhaps the, the Chargers will play the Ravens, you're right. I mean, that that's exactly what the conversation has been around uh, Patrick Mahomes a little bit. That's how teams are, are playing him. And, and they're, they're going with the, the lighter box, and they're putting a lid on these these offenses and, and trying to keep everything in front of them and, and making these quarterbacks make some tougher decisions in hopes that, yeah, there's going to be a, a holding penalty that, that sets back a drive on a 10-play drive, or there's going to be one pass that gets tipped up in the air, and you, you get a break. And I think you're right. That's going to be something we continue to see. But cannot wait for this game. I, I wish this was alone in the afternoon slate or was the Sunday night football game. It's kind of a shame. It's part of the, the noon slate. But that's what, uh, that's what Red Zone Channel... Uh, certainly is for as well the other spotlight game and this game has gotten a lot more interesting based off of the, the coaching aspect of it how about the Arizona Cardinals the only undefeated team in football plus three and a half on the road taking on those Cleveland Browns that I just referenced and we we now know of course that Cliff Kingsbury uh, not going to be traveling with the team did not travel with the team I should say due to COVID he's their play caller I mean this is <laughs> this is a big deal this is a huge deal uh, for the for the Arizona Cardinals on the road. As good as that team has looked, I also love the fact that they went out and traded for Zach Ertz. He's, of course, not eligible to play in this game, but that's something later in the year that can can help them out. This is a big-time matchup for the, the Cleveland Browns to to prove that they can bounce back from a tough, tough loss against the, the L.A. Chargers in a shootout. I have my questions about Baker Mayfield, but this is an opportunity, and I think now with the coaching aspect, even without Nick Chubb, they still got Kareem Hunt. I like the Browns in this game, not having your play caller, uh, not knowing he wasn't going to be your play caller uh, except for 48 hours or so before kickoff is a massive issue for for me in this game.
0: Yeah, it's a huge factor. It absolutely should. I mean, it's kind of a a line-altering factor as far as I'm concerned. I also just kind of liked the Browns' matchup early in the week, maybe not to win outright or to pick them on the money line, but – do people realize that the Cardinals haven't stopped the run all year? I mean, like, at all? They, uh, they're they 29th in terms of run defense out of 32 teams, 139 per game, and that's misleading because when you have won all your games, teams have to throw it against you when they're behind late, and they don't get to run it as much as they'd like. So I said, well, let me look up yards per play. They're 31st out of 32 teams. They give up about <laughs> 5.4 per play on the ground. Now, as you said, there are injuries in the backfield, but I think Hunt – If you want to have him carry the mail for a week for 27 or 28 carries, can't do that. Uh, The Browns should come into this game and plan on trying to maul the Cardinals up front. Now, Arizona knows what I know. So what are they going to do? They're going to commit to trying to stop the run and Dare Baker Mayfield to beat them. And if he can't, then that's a big, big problem. Because one of two things is going to be happening defensively. Either you're you're having all your resources try to stop the run because you can't do it otherwise. And then you're leaving things open in the passing game and Mayfield's getting chunks or the Browns just run it all over you. So it's up to Mayfield to make a few throws. I really like the matchup and I like getting points if you're Cleveland in this game. Uh, but on the other side of this thing, you know, we talked about the MVP candidates and how Lamar Jackson's playing and Justin Herbert. Kyler Murray has been an eraser for Arizona. A lot of things haven't mattered because he's made some big time plays and some huge throws. And at the outset of the season, Alex, he was turning the ball over too much and really making some poor decisions. And those have largely gone away. So if you're in a close game, he's kind of, it's him and Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, a cl- class of their own in terms of like just going off schedule, extending a play, making a throw down field, or, or scrambling for a big 15, 16 yards on a third and seven. Like He's got that club in the bag. Uh, that's why Arizona is going to be frisky even without Kingsbury. But there's a lot of things that make me lean toward Cleveland. In addition, to just are the Cardinals as good as their record? And I hate to be a do theory I'm with guy, you there. but
2: yeah, no, I'm with At some
0: you. point, they're due to lose because they're just not as good as five and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh. That's not a thing.
2: That's where I'm at, and that's why this game. If they if they can win this, especially without Cliff Kingsbury on the road against Cleveland, then I have to start buying in more to them having a chance to actually go and win a Super Bowl because their record is what it is, undefeated. But I still haven't put them in a category where I actually believe they can go and run through the NFC in the playoffs and and, and win a Super Bowl. I'm just not there with them, but it should be a good game. We'll see the impact. Remember real quick,
0: I'll say, they lost – they should have lost to the Vikings. They won a game because Joseph missed like a 30-yard field goal or whatever, a chip shot. And then they they had a game with uh, one of the worst teams in the league, Jacksonville, where through three quarters it looked like they were in trouble. And then they kind of started playing in the fourth quarter and covered the spread somehow. But there have been a couple of games out of the five they've played that were not particularly pretty. And that leaves some wanting more, I would say.
2: All right, let's get to it. It is time for our Hail Mary. You hit it on it last week. Let's see if you can do it again.
1: It's now time for the Hail
2: Mary. All right, I'll let you go. You you hit on it last week. I'll let you start us off. What's the winner this week?
0: I am going to get slightly shorter odds this week. I hit on plus 1,400 last week. I got a plus 1,100 play this week. I'm going with Tyreek Hill to lead all receivers (laughs) in yards. If you haven't noticed, I'm betting pretty heavy on the Chiefs to do good things with the football this week. I think they're going to move the ball with ease in Washington. So give me Tyreek Hill. I think he goes for like 168, 171, something crazy like that. He has not been nearly as involved or made as many big plays as you would have hoped over the last couple weeks. I think that drought ends this week.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot, uh, and I think it is an opportunity for him against that Washington defense. All right, I'm going to go with one. Hopefully that can finally get me on the board on a Hail Mary, but it's plus 700. It's the Giants against the Rams, and the Giants who have the – or plus 750 to have the lowest scoring total here in week number six i like my chances there daniel jones is gonna play but uh, as you pointed out earlier in the show uh, how effective can he be does he make it through the whole game they've got plenty of other injuries as well enjoy week six he's grant paulson i'm alex gold this has been the sunday spread on betql
0: Sunday, Get all your wagertainment with
2: the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.